1974, Mel Brooks shocked the world, including the studio that released his movie, with the runaway success of Blazing Saddles, a body slapstick send-up of the Western. This movie is what happens when talents like Brooks, Richard Pryor, and Gene Wilder lower their brows and make fart jokes. It's silly, it's inane, and for most audiences in the 21st century, it's problematic as heck, but it made over $100 million in the 1970s. That makes it the fourth biggest comedy of all time adjusted for inflation. So grab some bourbon and try not to be offended. It's time for episode five of Toasting the Classics, Blazing Saddles. All right, we are on. Welcome to this episode of Toasting the Classics with uh, Dave and Clint. Today we are toasting, well, we're talking about Dave MacArthur and Clint Lanier. I was told we should te- we should say our names. Oh, should we? I did had I, some complaints about that. Did I not say my name? It seems it seems. Uh, did I not say? I, I I didn't say our last names. That's what I mean. I think we're supposed to. T- people ask me to say our full names. Okay. So, Clint Lanier, Dave MacArthur. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Leo. Okay. In well, as much as that means a damn thing. <laughs> so all that's out of the way now. Yeah. So we are are talking today about uh, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, that's right. That is the uh, the classic that I chose. It was the, uh, is it the Freeform or is it the movie? So we have This is the film. This is the film, right. Yeah. I don't think we should waste books and movies on the Freeform week. If you right. Know what I mean, I mean so, theoretically you could. It's Freeform. Right. But, you know, why, so, why write a sonnet when you're allowed to write free verse, you know? That, okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally lost on me, but. Um, okay, so, yeah, so this is my, my Freeform then. Um I chose Blazing Saddles. It's a uh, classic 1974 1974. Um, a Mel Brooks. Is that the same vintage you are by any chance? It is. Okay. It's exactly the same vintage. Probably why I like it so much. That's why I like Star Wars. That was might be a big part of why it's one of my Star favorite Wars movies. 77. Oh, 77. 77. Okay, yeah, all right. Yep. I was going to say, it's not 74, so it's not that good. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Close. 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 70s uh, were a much better decade than people give them credit for, I think. A lot of cool stuff. Generally? Generally speaking, there's just a lot of great movies. For the arts or what? Uh, Maybe the music wasn't awesome. (laughs) I mean, I suppose. I don't know. The Ramones? There's there's a few few counterexamples, but probably not the coolest decade for music. (laughs) Well, you had had counter disco. So you had hippie, then disco, and then. There's also Donnie and Marie. (laughs) Yeah. Partridge family. A lot of terrible. Well, there is terrible <laughs> stuff. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not denying that. All that country revival. But you have to have the terrible stuff to get to the good stuff, right? Which right. I would would argue. You know, like I said, you got the Ramones. You got early Aerosmith, which was a lot different than late Aerosmith. Birth of heavy metal. Birth, birth, of, birth of heavy of punk metal. rock. Yeah, right? definitely. Here is the traditional date of the first rap. I think it's still in the 70s. Is it in the 70s or is it? I think it so. I think so. Early 80s. Yeah, there's there's some, some Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, I mean, that's when, it, that's when it got to be played, but I think it right. was generating. In the yeah, 70s, yeah, maybe. You know? Maybe, right. Movies, movies, it was a weird time for movies because he had stuff like, I mean, he had true, true classics, right? So you have like Jaws. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Star Wars. You had Godfather. Uh, you had things like, well, you had uh, Blazing Saddles, which one of my favorite Comedies, one of the best comedies of all times, and then he had another, one of the best comedies of all time, Airplane, oh. Um, oh, yeah. came out in the seventies as well. Yeah, my kids watched that and it held up for them. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah well, I, it's so slapstick and silly. Yeah, and that's true. Stupid. Right. Yeah. 
Um, they didn't laugh as much at some of the funniest jokes. <laughs> you know, I, I, the mom from Leave It to Beaver showing up. And <laughs> right, no, speaking uh, speaking jive. That's excuse a good, me. That's a funny bit. I that, speak that's, jive. That's totally totally inappropriate. <laughs> In the vein of this film that we're covering right. today, it's absolutely totally inappropriate, but but still a pretty good joke. Well, it was it was kind of in the same vein. It was in in the poking fun at what white people kind of think, right. right? Right. I mean, it's it's poking fun at the stereotypes of white. So it's ultimately making fun of white people. Yeah, it's and I I don't know. We just dive right into this. Sure. But yeah. Essentially, I think it's sort of what Dave Chappelle was dealing with when he quit, which was he was doing a lot of racialized humor, mm-hmm. and. He told this story. We went to see him live in El Paso, and he told this story about, like, looking into the audience and seeing a white guy laughing. Right. And just having this, like, dawn on him. He's like, is that guy laughing at the right thing? Right. Is that guy laughing at, you know, the meta-textual part of this where we're making fun of racism? Or am I just feeding fires of, like, this guy laughing at black people? Is he laughing at me because he thinks I'm goofy or something? And I think this movie is on that same line. And Richard Pryor's involvement in it you know, says to me, no, that's not what's going on here. But there's also a part of it. Was everybody in 1974 laughing at this on the meta level that Richard Pryor would have intended? Or were they just, black people are funny? I don't know. It's a long time ago. Oh, it, yeah. You know? So it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a different yeah. world. It's like 29 years ago. But I mean. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got to do something big for your 30th, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely. Thank you. Definitely. <laughs> I'll take you out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. And I think, I think couple things. I don't think you could ever be sure, first of all, that that anybody is going to get the meta stuff. Mm. Right. And that no, might and course, that might be that might be part of it. Okay. Um I mean uh that you're essentially laughing at those people that don't get it, even though you don't know that they're not getting it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does in a way. I think I know where you're getting at there. But they're making some really good jokes and but they're jokes that that you know, kind of outlive the moment that it's released in, you know? I mean, these jokes, sure. the jokes that, that they're telling and the jokes that Airplane tell, uh, tells about, you know, um, with regards to race and so forth, it, they still have that same significance. Does that make sense? Like, it still has that same kind of, I mean, it lives beyond just the movie. It lives beyond the age, you know, sure. 1974, 1975, Well, I think it goes to the way that this film was done. I think the jokes of this movie... Um, were just thrown out there. Like, they were just like, let's just cram as many jokes as we can into the space of however many minutes the film is. So some of them hold up 40 years later, right? Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them we probably don't even catch. Okay, what's, a, what's a joke that doesn't hold up in this movie? There's a lot of references to old Westerns Okay. that, frankly, I don't think, you know, the, 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 the target audience is guys like my dad who grew up with Westerns, you know, th- there's the G- Gabby, Gabby Johnson character making fun of Gabby Hayes from the mm-hmm. old Western movies. Not a lot of people are going to get that. Which one's Gabby Johnson? Just so Gabby Johnson's the guy with the floppy hat and the, you know, he's a uh, drunk old timer drunk, yeah, yeah, the drunk, drunk and talk, yeah, you know, yeah. and gets up and gives a speech. God, nabbit, nag, nabbit. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That guy. But that's a stock character yeah. from the Westerns, you know, and there's a bunch of, there's, what, what's the, who's the guy I had to look up? They all yell out the name of um, an old guy from Westerns, uh, Randolph, Randolph Scott. Randolph Scott. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know who Randolph Scott is. You don't Scott. know who Randolph yeah, Scott is? I mean, that's sh- over my head. And I've, Rand- watched, I've watched a handful Rand- of Westerns. Randolph Scott, did you look him up? I did. Did you recognize him? No. Okay. He, so he was in a number of Westerns. And Randolph Scott's funny because he always looks like 55 years old in every movie he's been in. He okay. looks like perpetually 55 years old. Even when he was old. 22. Yeah, yeah, and even when he was 72. Right. 
And the guy was built like... It's not a bad curse. No, I take not, that curse. Yeah, I was like... Pick an age. And, right. You know. and, and the guy was built... He, he had that classic kind of um, Greek, you know, statuesque build. So he had these really broad shoulders, yeah. narrow waist, all that other stuff. But I think he was like five foot one <laughs> so <laughs> at the same time. So nice. it's a lot easier to look built when you're tiny. That's tough you know? to get that kind of job as a Western. But actor. he was, man. Those and guys he was supposed to be big. Uh, yeah, it was like, just, it was just, it was just the look that he had, and and he, uh, but he looked. I mean, the guy looked like if if nobody was taller than him standing around him, right? You thought, oh man, look at that dude. Yeah, you know, that's the guy, right? Right, that can handle himself, and then. And John Wayne would tower over him at like six five or something like that, right? I think John Wayne was a really big guy. Yeah, he was a big dude, but uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so he was almost in Blazing Saddles. Did you? Read yeah, that? I read that. Yeah, That's, he, he turned down he turned down the role of Gene Wilder's, I think, character. I can't remember if it was Gene Wilder or, or the Hedy Lamarr character. Somebody. No, yeah, I don't think he would have played that. It wasn't Hedy Lamarr? I think it was like Gene Wilder as a yeah, sidekick maybe. or something like that. Yeah, that wouldn't have been funny. <laughs> no. I don't think that would have been funny. At no, all. Gene Wilder was was a I mean, they're all, you know, it's, it's funny with, with movies. You look back and you hear all these, these stories about casting's gone wrong and, right. you know, who, who didn't make the part and stuff. Yeah, like uh, Tom Selleck could have been Indiana Jones. Right. Disaster. Do you know what the, did you notice the Tom Selleck connection to Blazing Saddles? No. Um, it's the, the British guy from Magnum P.I. Oh, Higgins. Higgins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plays Howard Johnson. And this is kind of a tangent, but I was like, what the heck was the premise of that show? Why was he living in a house with a British guy? What was going on? I used to just watch it in syndication. Do you really don't know the premise? No, I have no idea. I mean, I know he's a PI. He lives in Hawaii. Wears tight shorts. Kids. But I just literally watched the show like quite a bit, but in syndication, they're just catching it in the middle of an episode. Right. So so Magnum PI was uh, ex-Navy SEAL. Really? Yeah, yeah, he was okay. an ex-Navy SEAL, a Vietnam vet, because this is like in 81, so we're like, you know, seven years removed from when he right, might have been right. in Vietnam. And, uh, well, actually, he was Naval Intelligence and uh, Navy SEAL, of course, because that made him even cooler. Right. And I didn't even know people had heard of Navy SEALs. And, right. And so he was sta- his last station post was Hawaii, and I think, uh, like, that's where he grew up, was Hawaii or something like that. Okay. He became a private investigator and a security specialist, like a private security specialist. Okay. So there's this guy on the island named Robin Masters. And that's... And that... No, that's, no, no, that's Higgins, not Higgins. Okay, no, right, Higgins not is Higgins. Higgins. So Robin Masters owned this giant mansion Okay. and hired Magnum to run security. Okay. Okay, and in exchange for doing that, he would let, allow Magnum to live there for free in, like, the guest house. Okay, that's a good deal. And then drive one of the cars. Right, and which I remember, that. which was a Ferrari, right, right. and uh, and so that and so Higgins was like the landlord or whatever of the estate, like he okay. like was the caretaker, I guess, of the estate. Okay, because Robin Masters had like you know, he was like this you know multimillionaire author Playboy guy. Okay, and was, uh, did he appear on the show? Was he a character? You never saw his face. You don't know who. Oh, who, I was thinking. I was thinking him. he was like yeah. Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Sort well, sort That's of. What I was picturing, yeah, yeah, but you sort. only saw the. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I, I guess so, I did. Okay. So, you, so you'd see like the you know back of his head or right, you know, and then right, something right. like that, or hear his voice. Or Doctor Claw from. Yeah, <laughs> right. So Higgins, so Higgins and, and and Magnum had this kind of relationship where Higgins was a caretaker and Magnum was always trying to push the limits. Like okay, that's what st- I, he that's was trying to. He was stealing booze from the main house. I remember the dynamic, like yeah. but I could. I was never like, what is the relationship? But you know what's funny? You mentioned that I didn't realize that guy wasn't British. 
until I saw him in something years later. Oh, okay. Like I, you know, obviously when I was a kid, I never saw Blazing Saddles. I saw Magnum PI in like 1981 when it, whenever it came out. Right. So I, I spent all my life thinking, oh, this this dude's British. It's all the other way around now. If you yeah. see somebody, it's often a British person playing, playing an American yeah. now. Right. They, they, right. I don't know why in the old days they used to do the opposite. So. I don't know. Well. <laughs> I really don't, I don't know, know what changed. I, we don't produce actors in America anymore. So. But I think I think Howard Johnson, uh, played by that guy, right. is one of the right, all-time right, right. greats of cinema history. Did you notice one flavor? Howard Johnson's ice cream, one flavor. Yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just stupid little stuff like that was awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of gags. There, there gags. are a lot of gags. That's how you know it's a Mel Brooks. Right. Right. Well, this, I feel like of gags. I feel like this one's more intense. Like I. I read a little bit about the um, the writing process. Like uh-huh. They had like a room. And yeah. There was just a lot of really good writers. Called writing, writing yeah, not like, a writer's room. Exactly. And, and I think they were just throwing stuff at the wall to see if it would yeah. stick. And Marx Brothers were like that, Yeah. which uh, does not hold up at all, right. in my opinion. I don't <laughs> think the – well, that's not true. Some of their gags are funny. Some of the some of the verbal humor is Duck soup good. doesn't hold up? Isn't it a duck soup? Right? I haven't seen it. I saw <laughs> Night at the Opera when I was a kid, and uh-huh. I laughed a couple – you know, there's the Sanity Clause joke I thought was pretty funny when yeah. I was a kid, you know. So, but it's not great. You know, yeah. It's not, the comedy doesn't hold up, I well, think. I think this, you know, um, I don't know a lot about other Mel Brooks movies. Mm-hmm. But how many did he do, like, how many did he write in partnership? Oh, God, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. I wonder if, if it, it surprised me, actually. Because the urban legend had always been that, you know, Richard Pryor and Mel Brooks, and, and it, it was always thought that, Pryor gave permission to oh. write a lot of those jokes. Those are very racist oh, yeah. type of jokes, right? Yeah. But as it turns out, it was originally written by this Jewish guy who had written a bunch of other comedies. Yeah, some other guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, some exactly. other guy. And uh, Mel Brooks liked it, bought it, and brought the original guy in to write it. And it was originally called, I think, Bart X? Tex X. Uh, Tex X, right. Black Bart was yeah. one working title. Tex X was Tex X was the original. XX and was it was a, it was a play on Malcolm X. Yeah. Yeah, so it was supposed Which to be even I read X. that, I yeah. read that fact, learned it when you just mentioned it now, still didn't remember that. That's <laughs> not a not a great joke. Well, like, I, yeah, I know. It's just, it doesn't does work. Not remind well, that's you that's why it's called X. Blazing Saddles and not Tex X. Yeah, but, that's not a good title. Yeah. But uh I don't Yeah, so I mean it uh so <laughs> so Brooks bought the movie um, or the screenplay, I guess, and then or whatever, whatever, or whatever it was, but brought the writes. original brought the original in, uh-huh. Richard Pryor, and then I think one or two other writers. Pryor left fairly early um, in the process. He didn't he didn't stay on. I think he they did the uh, first the first rewrite is what I, I what I did, yeah maybe he did leave. he did the first rewrite and then they did two they did two other two two more drafts of it before uh-huh. it was ready. So he stayed for the first one, okay, and then after that, you know. And he was going to be in it, but he was uninsurable. Uninsurable. I don't know whether it was before or after the getting set on fire incident. I feel like that was well, later. Well, it was because of drugs. The drugs, yeah. yeah the was, drugs, yeah. that was always part of the Richard Pryor was, thing. But I feel like the and setting himself on fire was later. There was a – I saw a reference to that. Somebody was talking about how nobody today would get the joke about Richard Pryor. Uh, it's a Bill Murray movie. Where he splashes water. Oh, it's in Scrooge. He splashes water on somebody. He's like, "Oh, sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor." <laughs> and I was right. like, eh, "Yeah, no, I guess nobody would get." You could have done that or uh, Michael Jackson at the time, right? Did Michael Jackson do? Michael Jackson also Pepsi, got set on Pepsi fire, yeah. Commercial, I think. Yeah. But uh, 
By the way, um, just so everybody knows, we're drinking uh, Kentucky bourbon because there's really only two, I, I guess, technically three things. Well, I knew it was, was going to be a whiskey of some kind right. for the for the wild, for the old west. So right. Well, there's uh, they're drinking beer throughout, and I was like, well, maybe we could do so we could just drink beer know, throughout. We could uh, just do beer. Well, no. Um, Gene Wilder's character drinks a ton of whiskey. Right. Something. Well, well, something the, fir- the, well the first time you see him, it says Kentucky whiskey okay, on the label. Right. And uh, then and then uh, Bart is holding what you assume is like a like a cognac. He's holding this little kind of little kind of dainty glass with something in it. It's like a either an aperitif or digestive or a, I was thinking like a cognac or something. Okay. In any case. Um, that beer and whiskey. So I was like, well, so we're just, we're just having a, a Maker's Mark uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Mm. Yeah. Which is, Take our first sip. Yeah. Sounds good. First Sounds sip. Good. Always drink at the same time. That's, uh, that's always good. I know. That's always a really good pod. Yeah. The, um, I was telling you earlier, the melted, the, the dipped top of the Maker's Mark mm-hmm. bottle. Mm-hmm. I bought, I, don't, I hadn't drunk it before, and I'm moved out to New Mexico <laughs> and we carried our liquor here and I got right. here and I put the cabinet, you know, put everything back up and I looked and I was like, Oh no, the, the top melted. melted. Oh my gosh. Desert sun you know, <laughs> like melted the top. Right. I couldn't imagine the kind of heat. And then yeah, I, that's their, that's their trademark. Um, as I said, I was, I was telling you before we started broadcasting, I, I got to visit Maker's Mark uh-huh. um, on this uh, great trip that I had a couple of years ago uh, in, in Kentucky and, um, Got to melt my or dip my own bottle in in the wax, so it really is melting, you know, melted wax. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a lot of fun seeing how they how they made it and learning the history of of Maker's Mark. A couple of things about it. Uh, notice how it's spelled. Uh, let's see, Maker's. No, no, no. Notice how whiskey. Oh, whiskey spelled. Yeah, I just saw. Oh, we were so I was at my mom's house last week, and mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of old stuff, and we had this like cocktail shaker glass, yeah. and I noticed they spelled whiskey. Without the E. Without the E, right. I thought that was which strange. Is, which is scotch. Scotch is the only whiskey that's is that spelled the rule? that way. Yeah. Is that the rule? Okay. It's not really a rule. It's just kind of tradition. Um, but American whiskey, actually all other whiskey is spelled with an E. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's certainly spelled that way in so my I experience. I don't know why they decided to do that. It's also a lot stronger. So this is 90 proof versus the It's usually 80, 80, 80 right? Yeah, yeah, 80 proof like uh, Jim Beam or something like that. But this it's a really good whiskey. It's um, uh, One of the things about Maker's Mark is... Um, it's really consistent where a lot of whiskeys, um, they'll have this, this uh, big racking house where they store all the, the barrels of bourbon. And those in the, the racking houses will literally be like three stories tall, really tall, huge warehouses hmm. in, uh, in, out, out in Kentucky. And it'll get really humid. It'll get really hot during the summer, really cold during the winter. Mm-hmm. Well, Maker's Mark, what they do is they have, uh, they, what they'll do is they'll shift the barrels around. So the barrels that are on the bottom, they'll bring them to the top and they'll rotate them up and down. And that means every barrel in there is aged really consistently. Everyone. Because the altitude of the barrels would make a big difference. Yeah, altitude of the barrels, you know, the, the humidity, the, the, um, how, how uh, dry it is or cold it is. Um, All that will, will affect the flavor of, of whiskey. Um, but just try to make sure each barrel spends the same amount of time in each part of the warehouse. Exactly. Okay. So that's why, so they'll rotate the barrels right. out. What, uh, if, so what if like one barrel's hanging out close to the floor in the winter and mm-hmm. then it's up in the summer and it's, dip, wouldn't it not be consistent? Well, they'll, 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 they'll actually, you know, make sure that they, they do it the opposite way the following year. I mean, cause they, they, they're aging these things probably about five years. I mean, the barrels oh, okay. age for, for, okay. well, then for you quite get a, a few years. Yeah. 
Now, that's opposed to something like uh, Jim Beam, where they have these, you know, this three-story tall warehouse, and they put a barrel down on the bottom, and they put a barrel up at the very top, and they stay there for like six or seven, eight, you know, nine years, and, and they will taste completely different. I mean, the barrel at the bottom will, will taste nothing like the barrel at the, the top, even though it's the exact same recipe and everything else, right. but it's the, the aging process and all that natural heat and humidity. And their solution and is just to mix everything together. Yeah, so right. Parts. So their solution is they what they do to, to create consistency is they, they sample all the barrels, uh-huh. and uh, they have this, this huge database with tasting notes on all the barrels, and they'll find barrels that they can combine them all to create a consistent you know, kind of flavor, mm-hmm. and that's how they create consistency. But it takes mixing all, the, all these different whiskeys. Maker's Mark didn't have to do that. All of the barrels are consistent. For your money, which is better, Jim Beam or Maker's Mark? Oh, that's tough. I think, um, man, I would, I would honestly, I would drink either one of them. I'd, I'd drink Jim Beam White, um, which is like 15 bucks. Okay. Maker's Mark's about 25 bucks to 30 bucks, something like that. But okay. it's a little bit stronger. Um, but either how, how do they get that? How do they get the, the higher proof? They just don't water it down as much. See, oh, all see. whiskey comes out of the barrel at about 120 plus. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so they, they water it down to about 80 because that's huh. our palate really, if it, 90 is about the max. If we get beyond 90, we're just getting burned. <laughs> you know, we're getting yeah. fire. Yeah. And we can't really taste a lot of the notes. Like Jim Beam, it might be a little bit too watered down for a lot of people. Jim Beam White, mm-hmm. uh, it's where it's like 80 proof. So between 80 and 90, that's about that's about where our palate is. So the water is important. Water is very important. Obviously, if it's yeah. such a big. Yeah, beer. water is very important. Matter of fact, you'll see a lot of like the, the what they call barrel proof mm-hmm. whiskeys, which are about 120, 125. They'll usually you know, pour you a, a glass of it and they'll pour it neat. So no ice or anything. We're, we're drinking ice, by the way. So no ice or anything. The pour we're, it drinking, neat. we're drinking not just ice, but these like beautiful maybe two-inch cubes. Yeah, large format ice, ice cubes. So it's one big ice cube. Tray. That's, a, that's, a, that's a cool that's Yeah, a cool kind, of, kind of a neat thing. As a professional drinker, right, it's a good right. thing for you to have. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hook myself up. But uh, they'll pour a little bit of water in it, and, and just a little bit in, into a, a glass of neat whiskey just to open it up and kind of kind of simmer down that, that, that super high, you know, 120 proof. Interesting. Yeah, so I had no idea it started out there. And it, it, did, did people used to drink it that way? Oh God, yeah. At 120 proof. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, most whiskey was it was uncut. It was often unaged, so it wasn't mellowed. It was like moonshine. Right. Um, you'd buy it in a gallon bucket. I mean, it was it was not sufficient. What happens to it over the course of those three to five years that you age it? Like, what well, what what happens? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So uh, you start with an oak barrel, American oak barrel. Okay. And uh, the reason they use American oak barrel is because it has a lot of sugar in it. Uh-huh. And so what they do is they char the inside of the barrel okay. and uh, it basically just run a flame through it. And what that charring does is it caramelizes the sugars from that oak. Okay. okay? And then they add the whiskey in there and then they just let it sit for, you know, five years, four years. It can be up to 10, 12 years. So the aging longer. process is mostly just letting those sugars sort of yeah. permeate. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so what it does okay. is it, it just it just sits there and it and it just kind of so absorbs that that uh, all those sugars and the, the flavors of the oak. And, so if I just char threw it into, if I just threw it into a plastic or a metal container mm-hmm. for three years, essentially what you're saying is nothing would be happening as far no, as you, aging. You know, there's, no, there's no actual aging process. You would get out a white, like a moonshine. It would it would look exactly. It like, would it look exactly the way it did. The yeah, day that you, when you right. put it in, right? And that's probably what produces the brown color. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's it. 
Yeah, it's just a, it's the char, you know, coming off the charcoal. It's a great process. And what's what's really interesting about it, it, it truly is an art because things like the oak, just the oak, you know, what trees you use. I was going to say, yeah, tree, what, you know, what tree, trees? like how, how long ago did you cut the tree down? Right, all that stuff, and all that stuff matters. Um, not only that, but like how deep is the char? So what they'll do is there's, for example, Cooperstown. No, no, no. Sorry, uh, it's, it's in Kentucky. I can't. Oh. Uh, I can't remember the name of the. Uh, but there's a there's a a place there that that they they make the um, the barrels for a lot of different whiskey oh, okay. producers, and they char oh, them as yeah. well. Maybe Louisville, because that's where they do the baseball bat. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was called something like Cooper. Okay. Well, Cooperage, not Cooperstown. It was a Cooperage. Oh, a right, like a, Cooperage. a Cooper, like one right, who right. one who creates <laughs> barrels. Correct. Got it. Cooperstown. I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, so I know a lot <laughs> right. of these like Sorry about that. ancient artisans. Right. Know, like their names. But uh, Fletchers. But what I found out there, I, I took a tour of a, of a Cooperage, and um, I found out that you know that certain whiskey producers have, you know, they they might char it like uh, a millimeter. Another one, maybe a quarter of an inch. Interesting. Another, you know, and so the taste will depend on how deep that char is, right? Of course it, of course it would, yeah. So, and then not only that, but companies, I think Maker's Mark might be one, they actually toast the wood. So hmm. they'll actually bake the barrel, like okay. literally bake the barrel because they think that it releases even more sugars. So they bake the barrel and so the whole barrel is actually toasted, um, huh. which you is know, kind of weird. I thought the sugars came from the corn and stuff like that. That's so funny. It's yeah, completely well, different. Well, they do, but but it's all the different. So you'll have like, you know, if if you if it weren't for aging it in a charred barrel, you wouldn't get like vanilla. Like all bourbons will have vanilla. Mm. A lot of them will have cinnamon. Maybe some a little bit of chocolate. Uh-huh. You know, all these different notes. As additives or just no, no, from no, just the, from the, the aging process. Yeah, from the aging process. process. Yeah, from the aging and charring process and the type of oak and the type of wood and blah 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 and and, and that. All those notes are coming out of uh, coming out of that wood. So okay. Now I don't think that the Waco kid took as much time. It looked it, pretty clear. Yeah, it what looked he was pretty, drinking. pretty looked clear. A little moonshiny, maybe. <laughs> that was the whole point: is he was drinking phenomenal amounts of alcohol. Right. I mean, just yeah. And then his hand was shaking. I'm not sure if that was. Doesn't that happen when you're not drinking? His hand was shaking. It looked like DTS, but right. I, I think it was just generally. And then that just went away. Right, something something that I didn't understand in the well, middle. He, sm- he smoked pot. Is that what it was? Didn't you notice that? Just, like, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember after that. He smoked pot. Everything was that fine. Calmed him down. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes, you I don't sort know. Of so coming back to the movie now. Right, that's probably that's a good, good idea. A good segue there. Huh? Although we're supposed to talk about the alcohol as well. Oh yeah, I think, I think that was a good. Comment. Who's your favorite character? Oh man, favorite character. Right? Would you just not do without? Let's say they let's say they miscast one of these people we <sighs> talked about. What would kill the movie? Mongo? No. Mongo's funny, um, but Bart could 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 Bart have been Richard Pryor? Yeah, he probably Cleavon Little did a great job, but it probably could have been somebody else. Yeah, so I was thinking about that because Cleavon Little, like, not a big star, right? Otherwise, I don't. He's he's. I looked at his IMDb page. It's a bunch of other stuff, but none of it is big. It's a lot yeah, of. Yeah, he never. Opinions. This is the biggest thing he ever did. I think it's because of the way he's playing it. I think that they had him just really chew the scenery, like re- not chew the scenery, like really just ham it up. Yeah. Comedically, he's really over the top. And I think maybe that's where his skills lay. Hmm. So it wasn't, he maybe wasn't able to make the transition to being like a consistent comedic movie star. I mean, think about it this way. Richard Pryor is much more sublimely funny than Cleavon Little. Well, think about that. He's, he is replacing Richard Pryor. Right. Does he do that? 
kind of. Sort of. You know, but but he does it by hamming it up rather than Richard Pryor would just be like zany at one moment and serious at another, like yeah. just a much better actor. Just, right. Just, I think I think you know not a lot of comparison between the two. You know? <laughs> I don't know. So who could they who could they not replace in this movie? For me, for me, it's it's Gene Wilder. I thought he's great. I think he's like at the top of his game in this movie. He's very charismatic. When he comes on screen, I'm just like that guy's cool. I don't know, just the way he was in Willy Wonka and. Young Frankenstein. Well, this like, this was his golden age. Yeah, I mean, this was. Yeah, definitely middle seventies, pretty much. Oh, like. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like you said, you know, there's uh, Young Frankenstein. There's this. There's Silver Streak with with, G, with uh, Richard Pryor. I don't know what was the name of the movie. Hear no evil, see no evil. No, but he was. A, That's was later, a, right? That was later. But the, there was another one though. Yeah, I know what you're talking early, about. Early early seventies. Luke Streak or Silver Streak? Silver Streak or something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't it was, remember. It was like Here No Weasel, but it wasn't as goofy as that one. Right. It right. was kind of a buddy, you know, they yeah, didn't yeah. like each other type yeah. of thing. Yeah, he, he, he had a lot of, you know, Willy Wonka run of a lot of movies. And I would say probably 9 out of 10 were Mel Brooks productions. Yeah. He was in produ- The Producers, the original one. Yeah, that was that's like true. 1970, I think. That's true. Yeah. I saw yeah. The, um, the film version of the musical of The Producers. With um, with Matthew Broderick, yeah, yeah. which, at, from what I've heard, is terrific. Yeah. Broadway, terrible movie. Like, it just doesn't work. Like uh, the the way they're acting, they're clearly acting for Broadway. Yeah, and it's just acting not, for the stage. You don't. I don't know. Their m- motions are too big and yeah. their faces are too small. It's like all the wrong yeah. techniques for. I've never I've never seen the producers, the original. I, I have. It's have pretty you? funny. It's yeah, good. it's pretty good. Did, pretty good. did he do Top it's Secret? a lot of really uncomfortable Nazi humor right. in it. So, I mean, it's similar. But to, see, okay, so there you go. Similar to this. Like, it's just now, Mel Brooks at this time was just going out there and touching third rails. Like, that right. was his job. Like, I'm yeah. just doing this. Like, I, did, I defy you <laughs> to stop me from doing And they almost did stop him. They almost didn't release They tried the to. Yeah, I don't know if it to. was because of the politics of it. I think they just didn't think it was funny. He had, uh, so he had in his contract for this movie, he had in his contract... He had final cut you okay. know, in his yeah. contract. So he had the final say on the final cut. But they had the say of not releasing it at all. And they could have done that. And he, <laughs> yeah. and he, he, he like he said, you know, he got paid either way. Um, right. But he right. was glad that they, they yeah. did it and, and chose you know, to do it. But, um, you know, Mel Brooks, going back to the producer thing, you know, he's Jewish. I think he served in World War II. I think that's right. Um, that's right. I think I've... He had a very, he had a very somebody else, but was he like a special forces or a sniper? I don't, or I don't like think, that? I don't think it was that. I think he, he was, was some I, kind I think of it was a, com- just, I think it was a, com- he was a combat, I mean, like infantry, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he was in, in the, in the dish, as right. they say in Vietnam. But I mean, he, you know, had a personal history with the Nazis in World War II. I mean, sure. he fought against them. Mostly killing them. And he's Jewish. Right. Yeah, you know, so he, he has a bit of a pass <laughs> that, yeah. you know, a lot of others couldn't get away with. But did did he, did he make Top Secret too? Was that Jeez, him? I don't. I mean, that's With Chevy Chase and Val Van Aykroyd, right? No. Oh no no no. no. I'm I'm thinking of Spies Like Us. Yeah yeah. This is the one. Of, I yeah. think Val Kilmer. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That might be. That, that is Mel Brooks, I think. But that's much later. That's like Spaceballs. Like that was around that terrible time. movie. But Spies, uh, Top Secret. Top was? Secret. Top Secret. There's a bit in it um, where he's like has a dream that he's in school. Uh-huh. And he's like, didn't study for the test. <laughs> and uh, he's like freaking out about it. And then he wakes up and he's he's just being tortured by the Nazis. <laughs> and it's not as bad. And he's not it, as yeah. bad. Yeah. He's, like, oh, he's all, oh, those, yeah. Those, okay. those school dreams. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing to us as children. <laughs> that those school dreams are so bad. <laughs> literally yeah. the worst thing I could imagine. That's yeah. definitely right. what hell's going to be like. It's just so million much, years of yeah. 
getting tortured by Nazis. Yes. Okay, I'm going to go back to your to your question. Okay, is there somebody? Which was what I forgot as well. Who could the movie like not live with? Oh, right, 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 right. Maybe it it might have the Hedy Lamar character. Ah, um, okay. Corman, what's his name? Um, that's close. I don't think that's quite right. I looked it up at one point. Is it really important? It is. Does it matter? I mean, what else is the guy in? I recognize his face from other, but I'm not 100% th- sure what. I think he was in. Uh, Gene Wilder turned that role down, by the way. Yeah, that's the one That's one of the ones so, that turned down. That wouldn't have been funny. Oh, maybe it would have been. Maybe he would have owned it. But to me, I liked him as the, what's he called? The Cisco kid? Waco. Waco. Uh, Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman. Okay, yeah, so you were right. He, he was in the, uh, what was that variety show? Um, the Hawk? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, who's the famous uh, Carol Burnett? Carol Burnett show, yeah. yeah. I actually used to watch that's, that. He was in. He was yeah, a. That's probably where I recognize him. He, he was there yeah, with. Um, it was a little guy, Tim. 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 Oh my God, I can't remember. I I used to love that show when I was a little kid. My, I used to watch it with my grandmother, Carol Burnett. Yes. Tim, the guy that used to do the little walk. <laughs> oh, I can't remember his name. I can't remember crap. Tim something. Whatever. It's not important. Timothy O'Leary. It was Timothy O'Leary. There we go. Inventing, (laughs) uh, you know, LSD. Yeah. What's your, what's your, what's the funniest bit or line? Funniest bit or line? Tim Conway. (sighs) Tim Conway. Thank you. All all five of our listeners are screaming at their mics right now. Tim Conway. (laughs) Tim Conway. Everybody who's over the age of 30. There there are just, there are so many in this, in this movie. And there, there are so many throwaway lines that just... There's Just a lot of land. there's a lot of gags when he's the governor. Mel Brooks is playing yeah. the governor. Right. His name is Le Petoman. Yeah, which I I heard that and I was like, God, that rings a bell. What is that? <laughs> yeah, and I looked it up again. Fart actor. I listened to a whole podcast about this guy, who yeah. was a, an actor that would just fart. fart. That was <laughs> his whole bit. Vaudeville, a yeah. vaudeville actor, a vaudeville guy that fart. would just fart. And I was Le <laughs> Petoman. Who's gonna get that joke? Yeah. You know, yeah. but I I heard I kind of vaguely knew what it was. You know, there's other ones like that, like uh, Lily von Stupp. That's not that. I guess that's not obscure. Stup. Everybody knows what yeah. Stup means. Right, right, right. I'm yeah. Stupping Lassie. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a triumphant insult comic dog. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Um, that's I think probably the, the most, to me, the most iconic line is that in there is, excuse me while I whip this out. Yep, yep. Ah, you know, they're all the, all where the, the white women, women at. <laughs> hey, one. where the white women at? Yeah. <laughs> but that first one, the, excuse me while I whip this out, that, that's probably the most iconic. You know, um, to me. So I read like a little bit of an interview that Mel Brooks did where he was saying that the use of the N-word, mm-hmm. like you couldn't do a movie with that today. And it, right. it would have killed this movie and stuff like that. And I was watching it. And I was thinking, yeah, there's a lot of racial humor and they used, you know, but and maybe they'd cut that. But I don't even think it's the racial humor that's the thing that would be would damn the movie as much as some of the other things, like Mel Brooks being in red face, for instance. <laughs> totally would that not was be noted. accepted. That was noted. I, I read, that would I, I not read an be accepted about it today. And it said, uh, it said uh, he, he, played a, he played an Indian chief, and in parentheses, in red face. Right. You know? or, or, or It's like, okay, hold, hold on. Let's, let's back up to that. Okay. Is that really that much? Is it really that obscene? Because he's an Indian chief speaking Yiddish. It's a gag. I mean, right. it's a whole I mean, gag. The whole thing is a gag, right? I'm just saying, I, I hear it's people talking. Obviously stupid. I know what the zeitgeist is today, right. and that is not yeah. cutting the mustard. If, if <laughs> right. we were 15 years younger yeah. and doing the same podcast, we'd be talking about how it was painful how, how to get through that was. scene. Yeah. just couldn't stand seeing I wasn't it. safe. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even know if that's how, it's just, that's what people have to say. Sure. You know, that's just the way people talk about things like that, which is like, obviously, no, I wouldn't write a movie 
today <laughs> with that in it. But I just watch old movies, and I'm like, yeah, that's the way things used to be. Sure. I, uh, you know. Although, the other part that I was going to mention, the end bit where they bust into the musical studio, <laughs> and they have the, the whole ensemble of oh, Dom homosexual yeah, dancers. Yeah, Dom DeLuise, yeah. And they are just played as ridiculous, yeah, yeah. like... Yeah, I don't even know what that stereotype of gay men is there. But I don't know. That was hilarious in the seventies. Yeah, and just totally it's, not, it's, totally not okay today. It's just and and the, and that I have to say that the scene where he's playing in red face, whatever. Uh, that right. scene, I was literally, I was cringing. A I was like, oh come you're, on, you're cringing. Yeah, a little Dog bit. I was, scene? Yeah, I was like, all right, I get it. Yes. Yeah. It was basically just not. There's nothing meta about it. It was just they were no, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It they was were, just. They it's, were, it's funny that some people yeah. are gay. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so what are we stereotyping? Are we stereotyping dancers in Hollywood? Stereotyping <laughs> or, that all dancers in Hollywood in a musical would be or, gay, or and that all gay men are like fall down and and scream when they get hit with you know that they're just when they when they say yes they say yes right like right that. which is a really funny joke. That's a funny bit. It's totally based on a worldview. What does he say? It sounds like be. it sounds like air, you know, steam escaping or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's a that's a funny bit. That's right. a funny joke. But it's you have to be you have to believe that all gay men have a list, but, which but is the, like but, you know, but the thing is so like, archaic. But, but are they making fun of people thinking that's what it is? Because like there's 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 one yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe, there, maybe. Like like for example, in that whole scene, he's over the top stereotyping everything. Right. Right. Including right. gay men. Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene, there's one part of that scene where two guys fall in a fountain and what do they do? They start synchronized swimming <laughs> in the middle of this fight. They're synchronized. Like if two gay guys fall into water, what do they do? They synchronize. You know, they start synchronized swimming. Yeah, like it's, you know? it's to the point it, where it's, it, it's, it's like, based on a stereotype that I don't even. It's a, it's an over, it's over the top, yeah. you know, stupid it's stereotype, right? It's yeah. making fun of gay guys for being flamboyant. No, I think it's making fun of people's perceptions of them as being that. Like, but it's like kind of people. People think what people think that if two gay guys were to fall into water, it's a stronger thing than doing. what I was saying about the black jokes. Mm -hmm. It's like what percentage of people. Seeing this movie in 1974, what percentage of Americans would not have just taken that face right. value, let's laugh right. at gay guys? 99% yeah. of people right. didn't. It just wasn't part of the sure. culture sure. almost anywhere, unless you lived in San Francisco or well, New no, York. Well, that's true, yeah. You know, a couple of isolated places. It's just, I at some point, like in the 90s, it just clicked, and yeah. all of a sudden it was above the boards, and that right. was just part of life. Like, I think it was maybe Ellen Well, I think right I around think, then. But I think also this, you know, something we haven't mentioned in this movie was that you know, there's a lot of inside baseball in this movie that, like uh, Tropic Thunder, for example, one of the reasons Tropic Thunder was such a big hit was it's making fun of Hollywood, right? It's making fun right. of certain actors right. and how they act. And this is inside baseball the same way. Like, right. he's like you know, because they, they pan out and that he's on the Paramount. Par I, Paramount but I think uh, things you know, have reversed. Where, where, like the Robert Downey character in Tropic Thunder mm -hmm. is like, if you don't get what's going on there, you're an idiot. Right. It's clearly making fun of people going method and like trying to win an Academy Award. Anybody's right. going to get that. Right. People are more sophisticated today. You sure. could expect most of your audience to understand that joke. There are people who are so dumb that they just think it's racist and they don't sure. understand the joke sure. at all. And God, God love them. You know, I guess the world needs people like that, too. But, yeah, I, I just think in those days, anything where you made fun of gay people was 
almost 100% going to land is just let's make yeah, fun you're, of Gabe. You well, know. You're probably right. Let's just all laugh. Probably right. But funny, I think, you know. but, I, you know, but, but I don't, I, I'm not trying to put this delicately, but I mean, nah. um, gay, gay people have always, you know, they, they've always been of the artistic crowd, right? I mean, oftentimes they are, you know, choreographers a, or dancers sure. or artists or, or singers or something like that. There's a whole theory and that so there's a it, whole theory that, that happens to outsiders. Maybe that yeah. that's where outsiders okay. find acceptance but, in the arts. But so Mel Brooks and, and I think people within the industry would have laughed at that totally. as it being okay. an inside people joke. In Hollywood yeah, would have got would, yes, would have yeah, gotten it yeah. as an inside joke. Yeah. Right. right, including gay people. In like a probably, literal five-block you know? radius of the studio where the movie's <laughs> right. being filmed that <laughs> right. might have been taken right. that way, but you know? everywhere else. you know. Yeah, No, everywhere in else. Riverside, in Riverside, yeah, I guess they're it just, just I, laughing. I, I guess, yeah, and I guess it, it comes down to the uh, Dave Chappelle thing. You're like, right. you know, what do you care right. about? Who is this joke thing? for? Yeah, who's this joke right. for? Right, so. There were probably guys in the minstrel show days that were doing it ironically. That, Maybe, you know, but yeah. who knows? Because it wasn't right. for them; it was for true. the racist that's, people that's that were just true. laughing. You know, I, w- I was just wondering. So, if you if you measure a movie or measure racism of a movie by the N word, what is more racist, this or Django Unchained? I mean, if it's just pure usage of the word, yeah. I have no idea what the count number is. But obviously, there's a great deal more racist language, I think, in Django Unchained. Right. I mean, I think right. uh, Quentin Tarantino has been accused of that. Yeah, you know, it's a little weird. I think he knows what he's doing. Well, I he, think he does I it. Don't, I, he, it's uttered in pretty much every movie he makes. Absolutely, yeah. but but I think he's doing it for the kind of meta purposes that we're right. talking about. He's not right. just a racist guy who wants to wants to say that. I, I think, for instance, like one of the points of in Reservoir Dogs, these guys drop the n bomb a thousand times. Yeah, and I think what it's supposed to is, and I think, and this is how I took it. I'm watching the film and I'm thinking, oh, what a bunch of assholes. You know, what a, these are bad people. And, you know, I'm forgetting the fact that I'm also watching them murder and rob. Right, right, and, right. and I'm like, my sensibilities are such that I, can't, I can handle that yeah. in a movie. But if somebody's, like, but you're died that. in the wool racist, they're a really bad yeah, person. That's weird. Which, it, is, it, which is pretty screwy. It is. And it, I, I think he's yeah. making a point like yeah. that. I could be wrong. I may be attributing. But he's, pretty, he's a pretty sharp guy. So I think right. he probably is making that point. Right. I've... I've Usually, spending time thinking about the stuff he does, I'm rewarded, and and he, he it's intentional. He, he knows what he's doing. Tarantino, well, very, yeah, very very smart guy. So, can we say that Brooks probably knew what he was doing too, by using it definitely as much, definitely from Mel Brooks's capacity. Yeah, but then you have to ask yourself who's the audience and who's it hitting, and you know, it's a Dave Chappelle question. Yeah. Dave Chappelle himself is making these racial jokes clearly, yeah, not from that perspective, um, but then realize, oh, this is hitting. Just racist white guys are just laughing, right? Because I've got a guy getting his reparations and then buying a truck full of, of Newports, right? You know, right. there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of uh, hayseeds just laughing, going, "Ha ha, black people are dumb." Yeah, you know. Whereas he's making like a much more sophisticated point with that. But right. it, it's, it's it's about audience. It's about the signifier and the signified. You know, the intent and stuff like that. Yeah, listen to you, yeah. signifier and signified. Yeah, there you go. Is I thought I'd throw you a bone in your academic day swasser ivory tower. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Do you know where it was filmed? I'm going to say California somewhere. Yeah. That's a bummer, <laughs> but it's true. I, now that I watch, now that I live in New Mexico, I right. constantly have my eye because there's things filmed in New Mexico all the time. Right. Um, but, yeah, I looked it up, and it was filmed in California, Southern California. Yeah. I think but there's there's some really beautiful desert scenery. Like, it's actually, um, 
the scene where Hedy, Hedley Lamar talks to all of his men to get them all riled up uh-huh. um, is filmed at the Hedley. same place. Oh, wait, no, it's Hedley. Hed, no, Hedley's the character yeah. in the movie. Okay. Hedley's. So it's filmed at the same place where, if you remember the Star Trek episode where he fights against the Gorn. Oh, the big green thing? Yeah, yeah. with the big tall rock cliff. That's the same cliff that's in the Hedley Lamar scene in this movie. Also in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. In Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, they get tossed off a cliff. Oh, off a cliff by the robot versions of themselves. They went to that same state park. Really? I think it's called Agua Dulce in Southern California. Well, that I didn't know. Yeah. There's a little weird nexus. But that's actually there making a joke about the Gorn episode in Bill and Ted because they watched yeah. that episode. Right. No, I, I was, um, ever since I learned. Fortune. Precious I, stones. When I said, saw that uh, MASH was always filmed in, in California. Oh, of course it was. And like you can, you can actually drive to. You know, they always had that opening shot with that mountain at the huh. very beginning of Mash. Yeah, There's okay. like that, that mountain, and the helicopters would be flying right. next. You can like go visit there. It's it's like uh, you know, I don't know, like 15 minutes outside of Burbank or something like. Oh, that. that's <laughs> yeah, that's where that's. I think this is where a lot of this was filmed, also. Yeah, not far from Burbank. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Headley Lamar, that whole I don't know why he named the character that like that wasn't that funny of a reference and he got sued yeah. Mel Brooks got sued by Hedy Lamar. yeah you know <laughs> why what was the joke there I don't get well, well the I joke remember. I think you had to have been let's see so if you were if you watch this movie when you're 40 so right. you would have been born in 1934. 1934 right so Hedley Lamar would have been an actress that you were familiar with Hedy Hedy Lamar rather and just the, the you know everybody was calling him that Headley and that's oh he keeps he correcting them yeah, he keeps correcting yeah. them blah 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 so that yes. was a joke it, yeah. it was a bit of a reach it's but part it's, of the kitchen sink but jokes. it's it's part of it's part of the same thing that what you were saying earlier about you know it's it's geared towards an audience that grew up on these all these like Gunsmoke and right. you know all those TV shows and movies and stuff right. like that so we weren't definitely uh, made for a different generation um, yeah yeah I mean you're you got people, like you said, people that were alive in the 1920s and 30s. Yeah. Still perfectly capable of going and watching this movie as right. an adult, you know, like my age. Right. You know? Exactly. It's just hard to, r- it's just, 1974 is a long time ago. It's, it's kind of hard to wrap my head not around that long how ago. long ago. Yeah, it's it's pretty, not that it's long ago. long ago. No, it was like yesterday. Long, long enough to think, to, like most of a quarter of a century ago. <laughs> Sorry, half a century. Appreciate that. I'm pretty good at math. Yeah, it's, it's not half a century, it's. Close. Much. It's within a rounding error. Much further. Just like we are. Closer. Just like we are within a rounding <laughs> error of half a century. Okay, so. Um, so I had to also had to look up when he says he killed, he's killed more men than Cecil B. <laughs> than DeMille. Cecil B. DeMille. I was like, I know who Cecil B. DeMille is. Was, was there a murder scandal I didn't know about? It's all the movies. Yeah. yeah. I had to look that up, though. I didn't, I didn't get the joke. I was like, oh, is he like uh, one of these actors that murdered his wife or something? Like, it's like, uh, what's the Carol Baskin? Oh, Carol Baskin, some yeah. Kind of, some kind of murder mystery. <laughs> There's a lot of little... Jo- I like the one where the, the, uh, the school teacher yells. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. I think I kind of laughed out. What Did you laugh out loud watching it this time? Oh, God, yes. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did. My kid's... Asking me, what are you, what are you watching, Daddy? Nothing. <laughs> oh, so you're like headphones <laughs> yeah. on the laptop, totally. not yeah, letting yeah. them participate. Oh, God, yeah. no. Yeah. I, would, I would let my kids watch this one. Well, not ten, too bad. Ten, 10 and 14. What's no. that? 10 and 14. Uh, I'm not going to let my 10-year-old watch this. No. Huh. Not yet. I have uh, I'm weird like that. You are. Yeah, I, I love pretty much. Unless it's I, some I will. I will. Graphic I, sexuality. No, I, 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 I will, and we'll, and we'll talk about it. You know, if the N-word thing, you have to understand. We listen to a lot of rap 
And my yeah. son has already asked me about that. He's yeah. like, why does that word get used? And I'm like, well, so I'll we, tell you what. It's the worst yeah. word in the English language. Right. Don't ever use it. Don't ever hang out with anybody who uses <laughs> that word. And he's like, what if they're African-American? I'm like, well, okay, that's up to them. I mean, that's a different yeah. story. What I mean is anybody looks like you who uses that word, get out of the room. You don't need to <laughs> hang out with that person. Right. You know? They're just, like I said, so many throwaways. Like, what in the wide, wide world of sports is a going on here? That's a pretty good slim pickings, uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, actually sounded just well, about right. Raise my rent, <laughs> you know. And then that one line, like, where he uh, where he blows up Mongo, and and uh, he's like, oh, I got to give you credit. You you know you you're the only one to ever do that to Mongo. He's like, that was easy. Hard part was inventing the candygram. And he's like, they probably won't even give me credit for that either. <laughs> you know, it's just stupid yeah. stuff like that. I mean, it's pretty good. I felt bad for the actor in the beginning part where the guys are all in the crew, and he's like just shouting the worst crap at them. I always feel bad for actors oh, to do oh, those yeah, sorts of yeah. things. Again, yes, everybody who's making the movie knows yeah. you're an actor, you're a professional. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like some percentage of the audience out there is so dumb that they're just like, oh, you, that's you. Right. You know, that's, like people get death threats. When okay, you so the guy that's playing the new Captain America on Falcon and the Winter Soldier has had death threats. Really? Yeah. Because he's not because he's not Captain America? Because he's not, you know, Steve Rogers. He's the new Captain America. Like the real guy, not the actor. The actor. The has actor. received death threats on social media because he's playing the new Captain America on the show. And I'm people like, really are how stupid. stupid yeah. yeah, I mean, people are morons. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even. What do you do with somebody like that? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I but there's people like that out yeah. there. So I guarantee him having to do these lines. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. people out there that are like, wow. Well, that, that the one guy. So the I can't remember his name. Um, so Slim Pickens. Like next in command. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was trying to remember that actor, and I can't. I can't remember his name either. But he was. Uh, he had a problem saying the N word so sure. much, and and uh, he didn't want to do it, and he just could not do it with the with the script, and and right. and apparently, um, uh, Cleavon and Richard Pryor like took him aside and said, you know, it's okay. This is part of the script. You know, right. this, is, this is all in fun. Like if, if this is serious, we'd be fighting right now. <laughs> so don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. And we'll he's like, we'll he's let like, you know. Yeah, we'll let you know if it's serious. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, people have. I have a problem saying it. I. Oh, I, uh, I can see it. It's the guy with the mustache. This this guy, Burton Burton Lilliam. Burton. Lilliam, that's that's yeah. the second yeah, that's command the guy. guy. Yeah. That's the one you're talking about. Like, I I, I can could totally see. Oh his my point god! Do you know where I, re- I was trying to think. Where do I recognize Mungo from? And they showed a picture. Oh wait, no, no, don't, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me. Do you, um, do you remember? Uh, it was, it was, it was. I had to look at this picture of him. Older okay, hold just on. Right away, I got it. It, it was, it was a comedy. Yep. Like a, a sitcom. Yep. Where he adopted, sort of. he yep. adopted like this little kid, a uh-huh. little black kid. I believe his name was Emmanuel Lewis. Emmanuel Lewis, yeah. And what was the name of the, the show? Webster. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw the picture of him, he was a, he was, I was a like, oh, that's tenth Mr. Caracolipus. Mr. Caracolipus. Yeah, he had some, yeah, some, yeah. some very uh, <laughs> syllabic uh, Greek, Greek name. Yeah, yeah, Greek name, yeah. But that's Mongo. That's Mongo. And he wasn't that big. I think he I think he was a big guy. I think he was a football player. Well, he was, yeah. He, like, he, he I think he played like, a football like, player. In real, oh, in real life. In real life, okay, he, yeah, he was. Yeah, but actors are oftentimes very tall. I mean, a lot of actors, like Cleveland... Look it up. Cleveland Little's probably like he was probably like six two or something like that. Gene sure. Wilder's probably like six one, something like that. That's weird. That's not um, what I would have thought. About. Probably. <clears throat> I bet he's. I bet he's pretty tall. And so there's this one scene where where it has them all together. There's Mongo and, and Mongo's like maybe an inch or 
maybe two inches taller than him. Right. You know, he's not this huge. But he's also a big slab of beef, too. You know, he's a big dude, but he's not, like, towering over all these guys, you know? I was watching uh, Conan O'Brien. Uh-huh. James Earl Jones was on there. And Conan O'Brien got up to shake his hand. And James Earl Jones is like, because Conan O'Brien's like six foot six or something yeah. like that. Yeah. James Earl Jones, you could see he kind of did like, he kind of like did a back take. He was like, he was like, you are formidable. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Andy Richter? Uh-huh. Okay. How tall is Andy Richter? Oh, I I mean, to not make Conan O'Brien look huge, he must be pretty tall, right? Is he not? He's he's like six foot two or yeah, something. So he's, yeah, a, he's a big yeah, dude. Exactly. But but you look at him next to Conan O'Brien, right. he's like six, 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 seven, right. and he looks like this little fat schlub. Yeah. And he's not at all. Like well, you, I'm I'm tiny. I'm five seven. Well, so have you ever seen a guy who's about six foot one like Allen Iverson on a basketball court? Mm-hmm. And you see him, you're like, he's tiny. Yeah, compared right? to yeah, a tiny little yeah. guy because everybody else is six foot seven. Right, you know, right. That's, that, well, it's just relative. Drew Brees is like six foot or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he I looks heard. like an accountant. Yeah, pretty. He much. doesn't in real life. I'm sure he looks like a big, <laughs> yeah, he's huge, strong probably, guy. Yeah. But like, but well, on the, on like the, I said, to me, everybody, you know, everybody's tall. So. Oh, I thought you going to say to you, everybody looks tiny because you're such a yeah, yeah, such, such a, a formidable, formidable slab of beef. Yes, exactly. Did you see? Um, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I loved it. Yeah, it's really good. That's one of my favorite movies. Oh, we talked about it already. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, that's a great movie. We did we talk about it, about it on we air? Did. We did. We did. Uh, we were talking about the bit with, uh, with Tex. A Tex, yeah. That uh, all uh, the yeah. Uh, suspense buildup. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why we were talking about. It. I heard. I heard uh, just the other day. I heard though that there's there's a director's cut that's eight hours long. I don't need that. You don't need that? The movie was good. I don't need. That. I don't need that. Like, <laughs> don't you want to see what happens with the got, spear gun, though? I got things to do. Come on, you you want to know what happens with the spear gun, don't the you? Spear gun. Yeah, don't you remember? He has uh, one like in the training scene. No, like, got the flamethrower and stuff. No, remember in Brad Pitt's uh, when the wife's just going off on him, like you're stupid, you can't get a job, blah blah blah. They're out like in his boat, and he's just sitting there with the spear gun. Oh, and he's like oh, yeah, drinking yeah. a beer, and he looks at her, and he looks down at the spear gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you don't know what happens, right? But they 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 say he killed his wife. But that's like a play off. on uh, who's the guy that killed his wife in the boat? Um, oh no no, I don't think that is um, Natalie. Yeah, Natalie, Natalie Wood, Cole. Right? No, not Cole. Um, not yeah, Nat- uh, Natalie Wood, right? Natalie Wood. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's the guy? Yeah, I know. we should probably make an accusation of somebody <laughs> committing a murder on him. Probably. Why not? Yeah, probably not. Um, uh, they got sued by Hedy Lamar. They, they did. We talked. We they settled. Out, they yeah. settled out at a court uh, for an apology and. Didn't say how much money, but I think, you know, it was one of those things where Mel Brooks was like kind of, he felt good about it, you know? Getting sued? Yeah, getting sued. A little bit of validation, like somebody's Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Why not? Right. Like if somebody got mad at us for accusing, for for saying Natalie Wood was murdered by her husband, (laughs) I'd be like, you listened. Well, notice (laughs) that I was very quiet during all of that. No, no, that was your voice. No, no, no. Nobody could tell the difference. No, no, no. No, no, that was was totally not my voice. So why why were the natives Yiddish? What the <laughs> hell was going on there? <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's stupid. It's one of those stupid gags. Okay. That Mel, so there there are certain things that you notice with Mel Brooks movies. The very end of it just goes to crap. Like the very end of it, it it'll, it'll completely make sense up until a certain point at the end. Right. And then all hell breaks loose and you're like, what happened? And right. that and that's what happens with this movie. So they, you know, they, they rush into town and they blow right. up the town and they beat up. And then all of a sudden it, it turns into this big yeah. thing where they're like storming the Paramount Studios and it's kind of a it, funny bit though. It is. It's, 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 but but that's has that's, nothing to do with that's it. Mel Brooks. Yeah. Like he does that in all of his movies. Right. You know? Uh like the end of it just kinda like what? Yeah. You know? 
Um, sort of like postmodern stuff. Like they do I sp- guess. Like they're doing space balls, but they're like seeing each- sitting themselves on yeah, the yeah, camera. Yeah, right, right. Like, oh, yeah, right. See this on the camera. just happened now, when, right now, you know. Right, right now, now, now. Now, now, yeah. Right. What happened then? That was, that was then. This is now. Or they say, let's take a break for five minutes, and then you don't see those characters for exactly five yeah, minutes. Yeah, five minutes, and they come back. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he, he sort of does that, that stuff. And I hate to say it, there's a time when, like, I don't know, has, has Mel Brooks ever been sophisticated? Like has he has he been a you know had sophisticated jokes, like say Woody Allen, which who knows if we're supposed to be able to talk about him. Oh or God! Not. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, there's sort of a counterpoint, right? Sort I of. Mean, it is it, he does gags like right? You know, and 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 uh, we probably I think we we read a lot of the same stuff, so you know a lot of the critics had problems with Mel Brooks, his gags. Right. right, like gags. So, has he ever been sophisticated? Like, what's a sophisticated joke in this movie? Can you think of any? A sophisticated joke in this movie? Yeah, there's some. You know, there's little references, there's like film film history references, like Repetto Man and stuff like that. I mean, yes, it's a comment about farts, but it's you have to know. Right. So he's got this deep knowledge of yeah. film history, well, it's and deep like cuts. show That's history, true. and stuff That's like true. that. There's a there, and I can't even remember what it was. There's a there's a Spanish speaker. Who says Santa something like like it, like it, like as a like he's upset and he says it, but it's yeah. the name of uh, a guy who did music. I wish I could remember the name. I, I know the part you're talking about. It, yeah, yeah it, he says like Santa Maria, you know, or yeah, something yeah. like that. But it's like the name of a of a performer Kay. that they're sort of spoofing in the scene. Yeah, and you wouldn't, I wouldn't get that. I read that somewhere else a while back. Sure. So it's there's a sophistication in that sense, just a just a sort of, but it's within the craft. But I'm saying I'm saying generally. It's not like it's not like Woody Allen making references to Marshall McLuhan and stuff like that. Like it's it's not on that level. Yeah. Woody Allen is just an intellectual. Okay. You know. But but can, you're not, can, you're not gonna like him if can, you're not. Can we put can we put I should have I should have researched all this before before today. But like again, I, I don't think like I don't think um Young Frankenstein or Spaceballs or Men in Tights or some of the others, I don't think it was co-written to the extent that this one was. Yeah, yeah. So let's take those Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, it's a lot more own. goofball, right? Total the goofball. The farther it goes. Yeah. Like, but Spaceballs has got some clever, you know, it can be kind of... A clever, funny gag. Clever is a strong word, but um, I don't know. It's not entirely devoid of intellectual value. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. A lot of, a lot of like, sight gags yeah. and, uh, you know, puns and things right? like that. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty lowbrow. Very. In a lot of ways. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I don't think he would argue with you. Eh. Young Frankenstein, a little bit less so. Young Frankenstein had some, had, had, some, smarter. Yeah, had some smarter. And I always thought that, like, a lot of the earlier Mel Brooks stuff was smarter than the older, where it was, I, I don't want to call it a cash grab, but it was. Well, it could be the co writing thing you're talking weirdo, about. Weirdo, a little bit of Weird Al Yankovic, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm going to sp- just spoof stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think um, probably sometimes people don't say no to you. You're Mel. You're at first you're just Mel Brooks. Yeah. And then. But now you're Mel. By the Brooks. time 1990, yeah. you're Mel Brooks. Yeah, you know, yeah. You want to oh, make that's a good point. Yeah, some terrible point. movie. Who's going to say oh, that's really not funny? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. What right. are you doing? But right. I saw him on um, the Jerry Seinfeld thing. The comedians and cars getting yeah, coffee. Yeah. Uh-huh. They like stopped by Mel Brooks's house and he was just kind of sitting in his rocker, being an old man. And he yeah. made a couple of jokes. He was funny. Yeah. Made a couple, of, but they were gaggy. You know, it wasn't anything. Yeah. Somebody was like, oh, well, he's like 93 you, or 94 now, isn't he? I mean, 
uh, yeah, he's really old. Yeah. But he was like, you know, what what did he, he asked him, uh, you know, how long ago did you make that movie? And he's like, well, what year is it now? And he's like, it's 2015. He's like, oh, my God, I'm late for so many years. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like, yeah. he delivered it well. Like, it was, you know, sure, sure. solid joke, but, but nothing super clever. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like Woody Allen. I read, last time I ever saw anything by Woody Allen, he had an article in The New Yorker, and I was reading it, and I was just like, this guy is so pretentious. Yeah. Aside from the whole being a gigantic pervert who deserves right. to be canceled. We talked about this, too. Yeah. We talked about this. Aside <laughs> from that, he's just pretentious. You know? He I is. Just, it's just, he's pretty full of himself. He's yeah. very smart. You know, really smart yeah. guy, and his, his stuff is really brilliant, especially his stuff back in the 70s. But he, he thinks it. But he thinks it yeah. and knows it, and this was a little bit like um, right. a, like a little bit of an affect. Yeah. You know, uh, there was a, uh, we used to live in Iowa. I was born in Iowa, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah, and my dad and my mom got tickets. I think it was before I was born, but they got tickets to see Woody Allen at University of Iowa, and it was supposed to be a pretty small venue. Doing what? Just speaking, just, huh. you know, doing spoken word and comedy. Huh. Um, right around the time he was getting big, like mm -hmm. uh, before Annie Hall, like early 70s. And uh, they got hit with a huge snowstorm mm -hmm. uh, in Iowa. So yeah. it just like shut everything down. But he was there at the University of Iowa. And my parents had gotten to campus. So they got to sit in a room with like him and like 10 other people. And wow. Just, like, That's kind of cool. For, yeah, super cool. But yeah. hopefully you stay far enough away. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mom wasn't under 14. Uh, so yeah. she was safe. No, she was safe. Yeah, she yeah. was safe. But, <laughs> Well, and, and Mel Brooks, too. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to be flip about, you know, whether he's sophisticated or not. I mean, broke a lot of molds and genres and did a lot of, a lot mm -hmm. of crazy stuff. Um, I mean, this movie, for example. But, you know, stemming back into the 60s, a lot of his independent early short stuff, right. you know, was crazy and, and, and insane. And, and uh, There's definitely, like we were talking about before, the outsider as yeah. a medium. And yeah. the things that a sure. Jewish guy could get away with saying that your, your bog-standard, like, white Protestant American couldn't make these jokes. And now it's not like that. Now I think I think Jewish people are a lot more mainstream. But in the 60s and 70s, they were still kind of well, no. able able to get away with racial humor in a way that somebody well, else wouldn't. That, 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 certainly, that certainly might be true. But I don't think racial humor had the, um, had the effect that it does now. I mean, racial humor was, I mean, stereotypes were, were you know, totally fine. There's no, no problem with right. with using that in humor. I think the 70s is the first time where people would have been making those jokes. Like you said, you mentioned Airplane. Uh -huh. You know the bit when he goes to Africa and he's like teaching the guys to play basketball? Yeah. And they're all like immediately better than he is. <laughs> right. And it's like, I don't think anybody was making that kind of joke before. No, I think I think they were. I mean, they were at home. But they weren't making, you know? they weren't making movies like that. They weren't making movies you know? like that, right. What was the name of that show? The um, It was like the variety show with like Here Come the Judge. and Hee-haw. Um, no, it was Carol Burnett. <laughs> you're you're, you're exhausting my variety show knowledge. <laughs> uh, here comes the judge. Yeah, here comes the judge. Uh, the devil made me wear this dress. Oh, um, in living color? No, in living color. I don't know. What? No, there's there's a it's show. A variety show. I guess. Yeah, it was a variety show, and I think in the '60s. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was definitely in the '60s. It was kind of like uh, America's version of uh, Monty Python over in England. Okay. Um, and uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but it, it, it had, you know, they had a lot of racial humor in it. Hmm. Uh, Monty Python, now they think about it, it, had a lot of racial humor. Of course, that was on the other side of the pond. Other but side of the pond. Yeah, I don't really like. Um, but no, I, I, think, I think, you know, there, there was plenty of that. Mel Brooks was doing stuff. He was doing a lot of, like, the Jewish Nazi humor. Right. Um, yeah, it's funny. Um, 
I think people that lived through that, yeah. through those years, took it a lot more. Or, or anyway, I don't know if they took it more lightly, but they would joke about it more lightly than anybody would today. Well, they, they lived through it. That's they lived the through point. it. So I think I don't think yeah. they had a complex about yeah. laughing about it. They were right. like, if I find this funny, hey, I was yeah. there. You know? Well, now now we find it kind of, we, we you know, we find well, now it's just it's just completely well, dark. You know, we find it sacred, right? Right. You can't laugh at that. Oh, you know, that's that's right. that's something you can't laugh at. They themselves laughed at it, right. but I guess maybe we don't have a right to. We weren't there, you know. We didn't have those experiences or something like that. I suppose there's a viewpoint there. Yeah, I don't know. Not did you see? Uh, did you see the Watchmen? Yes. Do you remember when? Uh, wait, so wait. The original series, not not the series, not the film, the, the series from HBO. I didn't see the series. I saw the original film. The film, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the series, um, the the movies. I think it might start with a kid who idolizes the character that Bart is based on. Huh. The actual historical figure, the, the, the sheriff in okay. the West, the, the black sheriff in the West that like became a marshal. And mm-hmm. so like, they, they do all the, if you didn't see it, you didn't see it. But there's a whole, there's a whole bit. And I was, I was watching, I was like, oh, who, what was your biggest surprise? You know, I, I thought about this, this question because we always ask it. Um, and I, the flip answer was that Dom DeLuise is not as fat as as we remember right. it to be, <laughs> he's really not. He, yeah. He's he's more of a dad bod, yeah, kind of guy. Have you seen Goonies recently? No, but Chunk isn't fat either. Is Chunk he? is just yeah. what a kid looks he's like. Just, today. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what every kid looks like. <laughs> I know. I think, I think everybody put on like like thirty pounds. Yeah. Between now and then, um, like Cleavon Little is tiny, and you know Dean Wilder is tiny, but uh, yeah, Dom DeLuise I guess was considered fat. But I was looking at him, I was like, he's really not that fat. He's just kind of. He's fatter in the Muppets, right? Remember in the Muppet movie when he shows up in the swamp? I remember him being a big fat guy, and that's. I remember him in like all the uh, Burt Reynolds films, and I always remembered him as like being a big fat guy. Right. You know, but but in this movie, but he was always famous for being a big fat guy. Yeah. In this movie, he's supposed to be a big fat guy, but he's not. He's just not like, super. No, he's no. just kind of a yeah. Unless he's wearing like a girdle, which I was like, hmm, I might, I might look a little bit closer at his he's costume. He's doing that thing where he sticks out his yeah, tush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might, I might look a little closer at his costume. He might be wearing a girdle, but yeah. in any case, okay. So a real get so- him mixed up with Paul Prudhomme. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were the same person when I was Paul Perdome is more sloppy than Dom DeLuise. Yeah. He would I, always have like he would always have like unshaven like third or fourth chins. Oh yeah, he was a mess. He was, yeah. he was terrible. I think maybe there's a halo effect. We're like thinking <laughs> Dom DeLuise is fatter yeah. than he is because he looks just like Paul Perdome, who is genuinely a large man. Oh, he like was a, a large sloppy dude, yes. man. Yes. Now that's what you want on a chef. Now I don't mean to take a side. No, side that means road he eats here, the food. It's but food. I don't want to. I don't want a rail thin no. chef. I no. want a big fat happy right. chef. I don't know if I necessarily want one that's never shaved and looks like he smells. Like terrible. maybe things fall into the <laughs> cooking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, yeah that's and not. That's, that's pretty bad. But really but, he lo- but he looks like he enjoys food. Like you get too sloppy, people think you're like clipping your fingernails <laughs> over the pot. I know, pot. You know, I know yeah. but but a guy that looks like you know, like he would sit down and eat all of my food and his. Right. That's that's kind of the guy that you want cooking for you, or girl. That's complicated. But in any case, um, right. Okay, so back to surprise. Uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Biggest surprise is Dom DeLuise not that fat. Well, that was like I said, that was a glib. Okay. You know, more of a more of a glib thing. I think uh, biggest surprise is probably I think the acting chops of Cleavon Little, and and the wait. So you're completely disagreeing with me. Like I think Cleavon Little. I think he had acting chops, man. Uh, I, I think I think. Well, then what what happened to him? I don't know. 
I think I think I, I looked it up. I was expecting to see some like terrible, like he died right after the movie was made. Okay, or some drug, all right. But he all was right. just a working actor. Okay, you know. So name me outside of Sidney Poitier. Okay. okay. James Earl Jones. Okay. Richard Pryor. Name me a super famous black actor between 1974 and like 1984. Billy D. Williams. Oh, uh, okay. I got the Yeah, I got the Star Wars. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I get what you mean. But you there, think there would you think there would have been something? I, I think there there just weren't opportunities. No, I you know, I, I think he got he he got this role because this role was made for a black actor, right? You know, with that had comedic chops and uh, and could act, right? Um, and then after that, there's just nothing, man. There's like good times. He, he played in like good times. And yeah, there's a like bunch of TV shows. A bunch of crappy, you know, TV shows where you know there are tokens and stuff like that. And and just there were just weren't opportunities, man. I don't remember him on Good Times. He's not one of the main cast. Nah, I think he was like you know extras or yeah, or just like a yeah. you know special or something like that. My kids are watching this show on Netflix right now. Um, it's uh, family reunion, but anyway, it's got uh, the, the girl that used to be on Sister Sister. When I was a kid, uh-huh. and I was watching it, and um, this one lady that plays like the aunt doesn't even look that old. And I was like, "What do I know her from?" And I realized she's been in like everything for like yeah. forty years, going back to "Give Me a Break." Did you ever watch that show? Yeah, yeah I remember that. She was on "Give Me a Break." Yeah, That's what I first remembered her from. And I was like, "I have no idea what her name is, but she's been steadily like working on these <laughs> she's successful sitcoms yeah. for like forty years." That's so pretty she's, impressive. She's been working steadily in yeah. Hollywood for all you know, the like time, yeah. she did "Give Me a Break." Uh-huh. And then right when that ended, got Family Matters and was on Family Matters for like nine years. That's that's pretty good luck. Yeah, you know? that's pretty that's, good. I mean, maybe maybe you know talent as well, but it's just it's nice to see someone right work. You know, just con- consistently. It's like uh, Ted Danson keeps getting sick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. He's good. I mean, he's good. He's a bit like he's kind of different. He's, different. He's each a one good. And, he's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he really is. Maybe he's not for movies. Yeah, he's okay. He's three Men and a Baby. He was in Saving Private Ryan. Did well. Ted Dan- oh, maybe he was, yeah, wasn't he? He was one of the commanding officers. Yeah, he was one of the, like, the yeah. captains. Yeah, so that would be that would be my surprise. So what's your surprise? My surprise was the various people that almost got cast. Mm. And the various, you know, like John Wayne being involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine that. Like, that's... Yeah. Was he even alive in 1974? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think he, I think he died in, like, 80 or 81. Really? Yeah. Okay. He had a movie called The Shootist. Mm-hmm. In nineteen, I think seventy nine, with Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, also was, talked. Was, we also talked about this already. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was his. Uh, we should his, watch that. It was his last I movie. It. Eh, it's not a classic. It's not. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Didn't he win an Academy? No, he won an Academy Award for True Grit. That's yeah. Right. Also, we talked about this. Yeah. Oh, I think we're done. I think we've talked about everything. <laughs> everything there is. It's our final episode. It doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. What else do we ask? We always ask, uh, are we toasting this class? I'm going to leave that up to you. So this is my pick. What do you think? Oh, very much like we've said about some of these other things in terms of if I take it for what it is at the time it came out, definitely. Yeah. I mean, made a ton of money for a comedy, broke barriers, various things. But does it hold up? Uh, like if I showed it to my kids? Would it, yeah, probably because of the slapstick. But would it hold up as being like something they've never seen before? Uh, I don't know. I just don't know. You know that that question right there does it hold up? But you gotta take it in. I mean, does it hold up right now? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So we are living in a time that's... But not just would it be acceptable, would it even be funny? Well, I mean... It's all been done. I I don't think comedy holds up terribly well over time. uh, Well... What's funny in 1950, what are the odds it's going to be funny? Well, that's that's really true. But I just just wonder about all the political baggage, Mm -hmm. you know, that comes with this movie. Sure. You know, I mean, would uh, Ilian Omar find this movie funny? Oh. Would AOC find... Yeah, would AOC find this movie funny? No, because they can't. I mean, their whole stick is finding something wrong with everything. Right. It wouldn't even be about whether they thought it was funny. Right. They'd, it'd but, be but, so easy but, for them but, to find something. But, but can they see the, the humor? Attention. Can they see the humor, the irony of, of the, the racism in the movie? And that's the whole thing is that the racism is all ironic racism. They're mm-hmm. making fun yeah. of racism yeah. and people who are racist right. in the movie. I mean, that's the whole shtick, right? Right. Is let's show how, you know— how stupid these people are, right? Okay, would they even get that? I would say, I would say no, man. I, I, I think, I think that that they are just so literal and. Well, it's also just their whole personality is built. To, and I don't know Ilhan Omar very well. I just AOC. I, really? I know a little bit about her. I mean, I, I don't. Did you have lunch with her? I'm not familiar two or three with her. Three times work. A, a week. Yeah. I mean, come on. I just think that the whole shtick that those two personalities have is a take on everything. That's you know. There's a certain kind of take they have to have, and it wouldn't be. It would be against their brand. Right. Well, to be no. like, oh, it's actually just okay. kind of funny. All right. They couldn't do that. You know, they so would just ruin all the okay, people that's that a, love so them. Okay, that's an unfair. That's an unfair question. Then, so let's blow it up then, and just say, generally speaking, with the audience you have today, mm-hmm. would this movie, like, you know, be funny today, or would it be canceled? Definitely some of the bits. I mean, the gay parts. I don't uh. think people would put up with that yeah. today. Um, That's funny. So you think the gay part's over the rest of it, which is Well, because I think it's pretty obvious that what they're doing is making a statement about racism with the movie. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, anybody of, of above average intelligence would be able to look at that and, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. Kay. We don't cancel it for that. Because that's what they're talking about. Although, like we've said before, there's been conversations where people were expressly having an anti-racist dialogue and got in trouble for being racist because right. of using the words that race. So I don't know. There's some people that God knows what they're going to think. So yeah. I don't know, maybe. But um, I don't think a reasonable person <laughs> would dismiss it because of that. <laughs> but I don't know if people are going to enjoy the film, this, yeah. this movie today. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just think it's of a time and place. Yeah. And it's also was the first of its kind in a lot of things, and it was and it was built on. Yeah. And people have done it yeah. so many times. Like you go back, it's like it's like I said, like Marx Brothers. You go back well, and watch it. Of course, that was funny in 1925. That's actually a really good point because you know? this is one of the first spoofs, mm-hmm. you know. So you're, yeah. you're, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, it's like a right. Like Mel Brooks was talking about, he was like, a, he said that his whole idea was 1974 hip language. Yeah. But taking place in the old west. Yeah. And in I'm a, like, 1874. In 1874, yeah. it's like literally that's been done so many times since yeah. then. It doesn't even sound like a concept to me. Right. Like, but like, but yeah, that was course. a new thing. That but was novel. Totally, yeah, yeah, that was totally very novel. Yeah. yeah. So, and he was often doing that with a lot of his, uh, a lot of his further movies. Doing that, and that's why by the time you get to Robin Hood Men in Tights, it's like it's yeah, pretty we've, stale. We've yeah. seen you do this. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's, it's Robin Hood. If people talk <laughs> like it was 1990, right? Except when they're making fun of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I saw that referred to as unwatchable, and I was like, I loved that movie when I was a Prince kid. of Thieves. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I haven't seen it in a long, long time. I know Alan Reichman. Christian Slater actually killed that movie. He was bad in it. He was mean? terrible. He was pretty. He, yeah, was yeah. Terrible. I liked him a lot, but he at the oh, time, he but he did was, stick he out. Terrible. Scarlet John Scarlet or whatever. It was Will Scarlet. Will Scarlet. Yeah, he was pretty bad. I got uh, the Scarlet part. Yeah, got the yeah. Scarlet part. He was pretty bad, and uh, 
Kevin Costner, people complained he didn't do a British accent. Yeah, he didn't like, even try. At the time of Robin Hood, people were speaking Middle English. Well, he didn't. He Why did, do you have to sound like you have but, a British but, accent but, from but he, today? Like, he didn't even try. Everybody else around him I did. I know, I know. Yeah. But in any case. Okay. So we decided, we? what did we decide? I'm leaning towards maybe not toasting. Oh, no. I am. Well, um, but I'll go. I'll, I'm, not, I'm on the you edge. Will not, so you will I'm not, not toast on your own because I will toast this classic all, right. all day long. Um I understand it might be not be politically popular now, but I think I think you know in twenty years, you know people will come around. <laughs> Maybe. And, Maybe. Uh, and I mean I think people are going to appreciate Mel Brooks for a long time. They will. Well, I think they're his earlier stuff for sure. Not to hammer this thing about the the Marx Brothers, but it's like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, the Marx Brothers. We anybody that knows a little bit about film, you respect these people, mm-hmm. but you don't watch their movies and like it's not a laugh riot. You know, I can't. Char- actually, Charlie Chaplin. I, I, a little have you ever bit watched anything from Buster Keaton? Have you ever actually watched? No, I've never seen. It's terrible. Buster, yeah, he, yeah. It, it's just all terrible. All terrible. <laughs> it's just and the yet worst. the man was a comedic genius, right? Right. Well, because like, he absolutely he, cause killed. Because he, he did it, he, but he was the first to do he was anything. The first to do it, right? Anybody who's the first. So on. So on the one genius, level, you know, you know, I definitely would toast a Buster Keaton movie. But if I'm being honest with myself, do I enjoy watching a Buster Keaton movie? Okay. Well, did you enjoy watching this movie? I'd seen it before. Um... I enjoy, you know, yeah. Did you laugh out loud at any of it? Yes. The one part where uh, Gene Wilder goes to take the long-distance shot and the preacher suddenly pipes <laughs> up. And, and like this, right. For some reason, I thought that was really funny. Okay. Uh, there's a couple other physical comedy bits like that. So it, it did its job. It got me. Yeah. yeah it did its job. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, but but we watched Young Frankenstein. Alex wanted to watch that the other day. We watched that. Loved it. Still still funny. Still a great movie. Yeah. It's just, I, it's just different. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that one held up a lot better. Huh. Well, maybe we could have our first uh, split decision. No, I, no. I mean, I was respecting it on the level I would respect Buster Keaton or the Marx Brothers. Great yeah, for its I, time. You have to. I mean, you cannot say that Mel yeah, Brooks wasn't I a comedic. I didn't toast, uh, you know, Wolfenstein, the original. Right. One. But was that brilliant for its time, Castle Wolfenstein? It was. I mean, there's like, okay. I, I, you know, we had the you know, the fact that it was made for mature audiences. You had the fact that you right. had to carry an inventory. You had the fact that. Uh, you had a limited inventory. It had, it, it had its had, revolutionary elements. Yeah, you had a true. lot of that stuff, and, and I said no. All right. Thing. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I'm just on the fence. I just can't decide. Come on. I'm going to say no because it's not my favorite early Mel Brooks. Okay. I'm going to say no. I'd rather watch Young Frankenstein. Okay. That's, well, that's my. I don't hate Blazing Saddles. I wasn't bored watching it. Okay. But I like Young Frankenstein better. If I was going to okay. point out to somebody, oh, this is Mel Brooks when he was young. or Not that young, obviously. He was probably 50 at the time. But uh, <laughs> early Mel Brooks, that's what I would show somebody not blazing south. And I think, and we haven't we haven't really like discussed this, but I think this is a you know we should defer to. So this is my choice, and as my choice, obviously I'm I'm biased. But I think what we should do is is we should defer to defer to the elector. Yeah, defer to the elector. Okay. So, so so we uh, will toast. We, no, we will no, we will not toast. Oh, we're not going to defer to you. No, we're deferring to you. Deferring to me because yeah. this was foisted upon me. Correct. It's it's bad enough I have to watch a movie. Absolutely will is my my decision. So all right, I guess we're not going to toast it then. So that seems harsh. Well, there you, you know, go. You got to do it sometimes. There you go. Sometimes you just got to have a hot take. <laughs> a hot take is I'd rather watch Young Frankenstein. Now, do we want to tell everybody what's next? What, what are we um, next time? Yeah. Well, usually I do that in the outro. Um, but the next thing is going to be a little more, a uh, little more serious. It's Free Choice Week. Yeah. We did a book movie. Yeah, it's Free Choice Week. And MacArthur is choosing. And MacArthur is choosing something appropriate to his heritage. Um, we're going to be doing uh, Macbeth. What? 
the Scottish play. Damn, oh, that, that <laughs> Scottish play. We're going to be doing the Scottish play next time. So right. I will be uh, choosing a single malt scotch that I already purchased, and I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But it will be in the outro, so you'll be prepared. <laughs> if you feel like buying exactly that bottle. Not necessary. Any single malt will do. Any Glen, Glen will do. <laughs> Any Glen will do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great so line. we will not toast to this movie, but we will toast to early Mel toast. Brooks. That's right. And we will toast to Toasting the Classic and seeing you guys next time. Bye, everybody. That's it for episode five of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some single malt scotch for next week's episode where we'll be talking about Shakespeare's Scottish play. I hope you know which one I mean because I'm not going to say it. If you'd like to get in touch, Send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, your comments and complaints, whatever. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at at reactivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle McCarthy. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.